When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I would like to know, like, how a guy who in his career has won 10 games in three years, he's played in 38 games, he started 38, he's played in 40, he's won 10. How is he getting all this attention? You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us. On the ones and twos, as always. And Michael, this week I learned that uh, just because you don't follow the girl on Instagram doesn't mean that you're not messing with her. Is uh, the words from our buddy Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears quarterback. Is uh, we, we've already gone underway here with this Bears QB situation. That's going to be uh, the headline of much of this offseason, or at least until the Bears ultimately make a decision. I would like to know, like, how a guy who in his career has won ten games. He's 10 and 28 as a starting quarterback in the National Football League in three years. He's played in 38 games. He started 38. He's played in 40. He's won 10. How is he getting all this attention? I mean, you would act as if this was Tom Brady on the open market. I mean, this is becoming, this is really starting to become much like uh, Tim Tebow. This is like, it's consuming our day. It's consuming our day. I mean, I, I don't know. Somebody was on the worldwide leader screaming that if they're going to regret making this decision. Uh, why? They've won 10 games the last three years. Well, he just needs to be in the right offense. Lamar Jackson won his first year in the league, took a team to the playoffs. CJ Stroud just took a bad team to the playoffs. Well, it's not the right offense. Like, I, I don't, why is this getting, I know you put the ticket in for to be the MVP and I generates tremendous amount of response from people throughout the country. You move the needle, but Jesus Christ, are we, I'm done with it. I, I mean, I want to take them off my timeline. <laughs> it's it's pretty remarkable that this is continues to gain all this traction. And this week, the reason why I did, he was on the uh, the St. Brown's podcast with Amon Ra St. Brown and Equinemia St. Brown, the brothers there, which, hey, congratulations for them having a podcast. And he was talking about his time with Chicago and and, and what he's hoping for this upcoming offseason. And, and here's what he had to say about his prospects of potentially staying in Chicago or moving on to another franchise. Do you want to stay in Chicago or what's up? Yeah, of course. Of course, I want to stay. I can't see myself playing in another place, but I know how that league is. Like, if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The the fans there, you know, they're great mm -hmm. and the people. But um, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. So whatever right. happens, happens. But I feel like the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just wanted to be over. Like, just let me know if I'm getting traded. Yeah. Let me know if I'm staying. It's an act. You echo those sentiments? You just want this to be over, Michael, so we don't have to talk about it anymore? I, I mean, I could tell you this. Here's what I've learned doing this as a living. 
you know, having never been in the betting market, never made a bet, you know, that uh, that there are things you can learn from this whole experience in betting. And whatever team he goes to, whether it's the Falcons, whether it's the Steelers, I don't know where he's going. But he's their their win total will not move one inch. It will not it will not affect the guy, the bookmakers who essentially know a hell of a lot more than the worldwide leaders, commentaries and other people in the league. I mean, you know, all this nonsense about, you know, if he had if he had better skilled players around him, he'd be better. You know, that whole rhetoric about at the end of the year, he was playing well in 22. Do you, does anybody realize his QBR was worse this year than it was last year? Does anybody realize that his average, his yards per attempt is worse this year than it was last year? Like, does anybody real? does anybody care? Does anybody pay attention to the tape? We had Randy Mueller on the show the other day and, and Randy was talking about like, you know, disputing the lie that he's going to bring in a first round pick. Like, where did this occur? Like, where is his value of winning 10 games all of a sudden become, well, it's not his fault they haven't won. Really? I mean, really? I mean, seriously, like what, when are we doing, when does it sometimes start to become the player? They're going to regret it. Regret what? What are they regretting? Like they didn't even draft the kid. Like they didn't even draft him. I'm sure Ryan Pace is screaming for him to go down to Atlanta because he drafted him. I mean, he drafted two quarterbacks for that Bears franchise that are no longer going to be on the Bears franchise. That's a hell of a, that's a hell of an achievement. Yeah. And he's still in the league, able to tell the story about it well, right of course now. He's over still in the league, I mean, <laughs> he's in a front office that didn't want Bill Belichick, that were intimidated by Bill Belichick, that didn't feel like you know they that, that he wasn't going to be collaborative enough. Sure, you want to collaborate with Ryan Pace, you want him. I mean, I want to talk, know what he likes in quarterbacks. I want to know that absolutely. Why wouldn't you? He's had such a track record of success. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, I'm, I'm completely. Why would you listen to a guy who's won six Super Bowls? I'd rather listen to Pace tell me about, you know, remember that scene in the Chicago draft room? Everybody agrees here. We've got complete agreement on Trubisky. We have everybody's nodding their head. Oh, yeah. And then come to find out nobody was nodding their head. Yeah, after the fact, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I didn't really like him that much. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are the odds-on favorite right now at our show sponsor DraftKings to be the next team for Justin Fields, minus 130. Pittsburgh, everyone was making the whole lot of stuff about Tomlin liking Justin Fields. They're plus 350. The Bears are still at four to one. Patriots seven to one. You have the Broncos at 10 to one. The Raiders 11 to one with Lou Getze. And then you have the Commanders at 12 to one. Do you think this ends up being Atlanta Falcons? I mean, it's, he's from Georgia. I think a lot of people have made those connections there to, Hey, maybe if he gets him on that fast track, they can use his mobility with some of those, uh, skill position guys. Oh, yeah. that they have It's there just, it's just a design. Run. It's just, he's not the problem. It's the design. It's Luke Getzey's problem. Why wouldn't Luke want him at the Raiders? I mean, just to take, take him back in because, you know, it's, it was all his fault why he couldn't do so, you know, is it reason, you know, Luke was a disaster. Luke was the reason why they couldn't win. So to me, you know, uh, you got to bring him back. Look, I, I, I think Pittsburgh is in the market for a quarterback that will come in and compete. I don't think Pittsburgh's in a market to give somebody the starting job. I think they mm -hmm. want somebody to come in and compete. Would that qualify for Fields? Absolutely. But here's, yeah. I think, the issue on Fields. I, I think you got to be really, you got to understand this. Uh, so Fields' contract is situated in such that he's on the books, he's on the cap for this year, correct? So he's got mm -hmm. one more year left of a contract. 
All right. And so then it, then the fifth year option kicks in. All right. And so once that fifth year option kicks in, you've got to guarantee it. So let, let's just say, for example, and I'm going to get the numbers correctly here. So we're talking about this and we're not we're not talking out of school here. And uh, um, yeah, so, yeah right, so, so the fifth year option has to be picked up by May 2nd. Right. It would have to be picked up by May 2nd. So if you trading if you're trading a high draft choice for Justin Fields, then you basically are saying you are definitely going to pick up the fifth year option. I mean, for so like let's say the Steelers. Let's let's play the Steelers. They're in, they're in, you know, they're in 2024, right? I mean, this is his fourth year. They would take on the one six, right? They wouldn't have any of the bonus. He would be perfect. They would just pick up the salary of the cap and everything would be fine. Okay. If they don't pick up the fifth year, and it, and then he still would have the fifth year out there. All right. So, mm -hmm. like, how much are you willing to bet on for one year? How I, much? Are, I mean, what, what are you willing to trade for that one year? This is where it goes back to where Mueller was disputing the fact that he doesn't really have, you know, like who's going to pay a lot for this. Say you're Denver, you know, his base salary is one six, right? He's got a one six roster bonus. He's got all of it is guaranteed, which is no big deal, right? So his cap number for you coming in would be three two. Now you could turn around and take that that base salary and you could take the roster and you could do it as signing bonus and lower his cap number to the, to a minimum number and, you know, and extend it out on voidable years. But like, it's really not that bad. You could fit this into your deal. Why would you do that? But you are you going to pick up the fifth year? I think that's the question. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, because the reason why the Falcons are now the favorites is because Terry Fontenot, the general manager came out and said that a quarterback quote, a top priority for us in this off season, <laughs> Would you rather have Fields or Ritter, or would you make a run at Ryan Tannehill? Or I, 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 what would you do if you were the Atlanta Falcons at quarterback? Like, because the options out there, based on where they're picking, they would have to move up in the draft to go ahead and get maybe one of the coveted guys. Well, What's the solution here at QB? I, I love when people say that Mahomes got drafted tenth. I think what Deshaun got, Watson got drafted like fourteen. I mean, like everybody says, you got to move up to one or two to get the quarterback. It's the old NBA logic. You're not going to get a good player if you don't have a lottery pick. Meanwhile, we're watching all these guys who aren't lottery picks play good. I don't know. I don't know the answer for Atlanta. I know this: if you're Arthur Smith, you're in your office in Pittsburgh saying, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute." They now want us to draft a quarterback. Like, I mean, like last year we were going with Ritter. They're going to blame Arthur Smith's truck is going to be filled with blame. I mean, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a truck big enough to handle all the blame that he's going to get. I mean, it's just going to be they're just going to dump everything on him. It's all Arthur Smith. Terry Fontenot, he didn't show up to work for three years. He wasn't there. You know, he wasn't there. Neither was Pace. Those guys were off. They were out of the building and it was all Arthur Smith doing everything. I mean, it's a comedy. I I. I would suspect that the Falcons, because of pace, knowing a kid, I mean, Zach Robinson's the offensive coordinator. He's going to have to make that decision, too. He's going to have to be involved. But here's what I do know about Atlanta. Do you ever watch their tape, Femi? You ever see their stands? There's nobody there. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. I mean, it's really like there's nobody there. It's an empty stadium. Like they have no, like, it, will Fields, being a Georgia kid, fill that stadium up? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, if they win, I'm sure he will. I mean, Atlanta hasn't won in three years. I know that's all put that in the tr put that in the back part of of Smith's truck, but I mean, they haven't won. 
I mean, the, yeah. the, this whole list of teams that are going to be like, I can't see the Raiders doing it. The, well, the Raiders aren't going to do it. Luke Getzey, the commanders, why would they do it at 12? That's a dumb pick. Dumb. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're already picking. You think that you think Sean Payton, the, the, what he wants in a quarterback, do you think that fits in any criteria around, around uh, Justin Fields? Doesn't seem I like it. The well, Patriots what about, don't. What about the Patriots? Yeah. You don't think so? I think to me, the third pick, I think, you you know, if you're Alex Van Pelt, you're just coming in there, you're Gerard Mayo, you got the third pick in the draft. I got to believe you're going to find somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, the Steelers, so, I think the Steelers could make a case for bringing them in and saying, you compete with Pickett, you compete with Rudolph. But, mm-hmm. and that makes all the sense cap-wise, all that. What doesn't make sense is, what do you pay for that? Would you be willing to pay a fourth round pick? Probably sure. With fifth, okay. A first, no chance. Yeah. No, the first round picks up, that seems like it's a little bit silly, maybe a lot of bit silly based on what we've been hearing and based on what just is logical with this whole decision. Uh, before we head to break here, Albert Breer did report that the Bears expect to have a plan in place at quarterback oh, we'll by next week. The scouting, the scouting combine is coming up here in Indianapolis. We will get we'll to that, that on the other side. Yeah, yeah, next segment, we'll get to that. The, the, the plan may be in place here for the Chicago Bears. Is it going to be Caleb Williams? Is it going to be Drake May, Jaden Daniels? We'll find out next year on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, this is rather interesting here. Uh, FS1 host Craig Carton was on his morning show talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and some of the reasons why they might have collapsed down the stretch. Of course, Eagles start the year 10 and 1, and then kind of the wheels came off of the bus after that. Then they ultimately bowed out in embarrassing fashion in the wild card round against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But here's what Craig Carton said about the real reason, quote unquote, is why the Eagles collapsed late in the season. He said, quote, it is a problem that would splinter any group of men, any group of men. It is a real significant problem and it cannot be fixed. I will tell you that I'm not going to say anything more than that. Quote, it will be very interesting to see if a high profile player will be with them 
next season. I mean, that's very uh, veiled comments, very vague, didn't really go out into anything, but is insinuating that something bad might have happened internally for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, what he said was interesting. I, I was focused on the Dom part about, you know, Dom not being on the sideline and how, you know, Sirianni was out of control and there was nobody there to handle him, nobody there to temper him. Because here's what we do know about Sirianni. He has a very volatile temper. He can fly off the handle. He's an emotional wreck on game day, on any day. And so what I don't think people really understand is what Dom does for the team and all the things he does. And part of it is that sideline when he's gone is he's buffering, for lack of a better term, the players from having to listen to this emotional reaction coming from their head coach who doesn't, you know, who doesn't operate with any poise. You know, I mean, one of the things I think that you got to be able to do is and, and is to be handled is to to operate with poise. I mean, it's one of the things that a head coach, it's it's the main part of his job. It's like one of the things when I was working on this for this for a, 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 another book is, you know, the, the the head coach has to have poise, persistence, and focus, a presence and focus, not persistence, poise, presence, and focus. That's the, that's the main job. And Hubie Brown had a great quote. I mean, I saw this friend for I put it out on Twitter the other day. He said, the, nor- the notoriety of a coach of the coach is directly proportional to his team's execution under pressure. Well, if you're out of control, how do you get a team to handle yourself under pressure? Right. And yeah. I think to me, that's where I think Dom's able to solve that problem. Dom's more than just get back coach on the sideline. I think there's – if you talk to anybody from Chip Kelly, from the Peterson group, from any assistant coach that has been in that building, I think that they real, he does way more. That if they lost him, that they would lose a lot of the things that they get can get tied together. So I don't know where Carton gets his his report. I don't, you know, but he mentioned the sideline thing, which piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. I don't know about what else is going on over there, but I do know that they had, they have, there was a disconnect with that team. There completely was. So he retweeted Derek Gunn uh, here, who I think also works in the Philadelphia area. And that this, this tweet Gunner, says, he's a source. good man. Gunner used to work at Comcast. Uh, he has his own pot. He's still wired in the Philadelphia organization. Yep. He does his own stuff because Comcast, uh, the NBC thing was kind of like it died up. So, I mean, it, it like, yeah. you know, like all all these um, all these the regional, uh, sports networks. regional sports networks are all dying. But he's, you know, he's working on his own. Yeah. So he's a podcast inside the birds is what he does. And his tweet, which Craig Carton retweeted, said, uh, according to sources, Jalen's big contract pulled in numerous directions on off the field, put him under a lot of pressure. He didn't handle it well. Big Dom suspended controls Sirianni emotions on the sideline. In his absence, Nick gets in numerous arguments with players, coaches during games. And that's what Craig Carton went ahead and retweeted there. And that's kind of what you're talking about there with Big Dom. Like like you said, he's not just security. He's not just a get back. He's kind of. It's like manages the head coach in a sense, and with 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 Sirianni being the person he is, which I, we all have our our own faults, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. That's an area where Sirianni needs a lot of help in, and he was unable to do that after the incident with uh, Dre Greenlaw, the 49ers. Well, I think to me, it's the same. You know, it's the same thing that happens up in New York too. Dayball's out of control. You know, you can't have a head coach who's out of control. It just it can't happen. 
Like if you're a young coach and you got to think of yourself like you have, there's emotion of football. I get that, you know, and you've got to be emotional and you've got to and the players, but the players feed off of who you are too. If you're out of control and you want to fight everybody, I mean, I don't know how you can become a head coach like that. And so I think that's something that, that has to get fixed. It has to get fixed in New York. Cause there were a lot of complaints about it from people in New York that, you know, they've been able to keep some, we got rid of some of the coaches there, but for the most part, I think, you know, you, you as a leader have to be able to maintain that that level of of poise because, you know, we're going to watch the NC2A tournament coming up. And guys, that, I mean, I, I go back to the great shot of Jay Wright when they won the title, right, where he yeah. just basically the shot goes up, it goes in and he just reacted like it was no big deal. To me, that yeah. that scene there is exactly what you're looking for, exactly what you want. You want somebody who's poised, under control, has a presence, believes in the process, and and works through it. I mean that that's what you can't you can't have this emotional roller coaster. It's too hard. Yeah. I mean, if, if I tell you, it would be hilarious if fans listen to some of the crap that's being talked about on headsets during games. They would be amazed, right? Like they would be amazed. You know, whereas if you were like, I, I would listen to what, you know, Bill would, Bill would like, as he's watching the game, he's, you know, helping the coordinators out along the way, not calling the game, but helping along the way, which is what a great coach should do. You're there to help, you know, help to make the adjustments. Hey, I think we need to do this. I think we need to do some of that. I think this is something we need to watch out for that. Look, that corner just went out. We need to make, you know, like you're watching a game. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's hard to watch the game from a clear mind. If you're running at a high temperature, like some coaches that we've seen, like in Brian Dable's cases, Nick Sirianni tends to run that way as well there. It's like, it's, you just have to be a little bit more measured. It's funny. You bring up that Jay Wright uh, bit there when the Chris Jenkins made the shot to win the national title game. It's like the first buzzer beater we've ever seen to win a national title. And all he says is bang as if they just won like a December non-conference game. Like very cerebral. He's very cerebral. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, Right. So what, you know, it's like, what is the difference between a pro and an amateur? Right. You know, and so when you when you go through it, we when you go through it, you look at it and you see, you know, like amateurs don't always understand, you know, like we wrote about this for the Daily Coach. Amateurs set goals. Pros have systems. So when you have a system, you're not worried about the results. The system's going to take care of you. You know, amateurs gain validation from the scoreboard, professionals from the process. Right. Amateurs never gain confidence from within. Professionals gain confidence without evidence. Right. So you got to understand, you know, what it takes to be a pro. See, that's the difference. I mean, Stephen Pressfield wrote that great book, you know, how to be a pro, because most times, even though you're being paid a heavy salary as a head coach, you're acting like an amateur. It, not to bring back up your uh, your ninety eight five uh, radio row kind of interview, but this is sort of what you were talking about with with Felger and those guys saying like, hey, like like amateurs are the ones who seek validation based on the scoreboard, and it's like yeah, you got to be it, trusting in your process. Everything he talked about was amateurish. You know, it's just like, well, I, I look at the facts, I look at the scoreboard. Okay, you know, you, you, have you been in the building? Do you understand what goes on in the building? You know, I mean. I could have said to them, well, they were the least spending team in the last 10 years. What do you say about that? But to me, that's not that has nothing to do with the conversation. 
That has nothing to do with the conversation. That's not a weakness or a strength, you know, but he focuses on that. You know, he, he doesn't understand that that's not, you know, I mean, he wants to see amateurs celebrate wins. Professionals understand the wins. You know, amateurs look at the losses and, you know, and they see, you know, defeat, you know, and the amateurs and the professionals learn from the losses. So I think that's the difference. And 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 it's hard for people to get there. And this is why there's a, such a separation between, you know, both what is good and what isn't. You know, I mean, that's like the hardest thing we, we talk about it on Monday about, which I think is really a, a, an important subject to discuss is, is what is the separation between good and great players? What is the separation between good staff members and great staff members, right? And really, a lot of it comes down to the ability to have the killer instinct, to, to, to be able to be a pro, is to get people to understand what the difference is between an amateur and a pro, you know? And that's how you develop the, the, the ability to have defined what's good to great, right? You, we all sit there and look at players. I said this about the combine, you know, the combine, we're going to evaluate the character of the players. We're trying to separate who's the amateurs and who the pros are. And you can only find that from digging into their background. What's going to make the quarterback in this draft the best quarterback? It's not going to be his arm strength. It's not going to be his, 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 his S2 test. It's not going to be any of that crap. It's going to be is his ability to be a pro, be a pro. Yeah. And or is he an amateur or a pro? And you can only gauge that at the combine. You can only do that from interviewing and from and from understanding it and looking at his past. I mean, Brady started out as an amateur, he became a pro. You know, they get you've got to be able to get past distractions. You've got to be able to handle the 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 confidence. You've got to be able to handle the adversity. And still fight through it. This is why what we're talking about with Sirianni, when he behaves like that on the sideline, based on what Gunn's saying, he's talking. You know, he's an amateur. He's being an amateur. He's not being a pro. And that separates good to great. Yeah, it's, it's the the competitive stamina, which is one of my uh, the f- favorite terms that you use when you talk about quarterbacks and talk about coaches and all that stuff. It's like that's what separates the really great guys, like the Kansas City Chiefs. Guess what? They just won the Super Bowl again. They have that competitive stamina, and it starts off with the head coach and the right. quarterback with what they're able to do. Do you think we'll find out what Craig Carton's alluding to with the Eagles here as we yeah. wrap this thing up to bring it full circle? Are we going to learn think, what I he's mean, uh, talking about? He he went after Schefter and basically said, you know, Schefter kind of disputed his report. Yeah. But, you know, like he said, the Schefter, well, Schefter didn't ask a specific question, which I didn't really give the specifics of what my report is. So, yeah, I think eventually through moves, we're going to find out. Yeah. I mean, if there's a certain player not on the team, it's a little bit like now this is going under the carpet. But the Hogan guy leaves the Jets after the athletic article comes out of who's the leak. But nobody's tied the two together. Right. Nobody's tied the two together. It's just like that car being in front of Lee Harvey Oswald's rooming house that had the Dallas police on it. But, you know, Lee was on the sixth floor, so nobody can figure this out, right? Why would a car show up to his rooming house 20 minutes before, you know, right, right after he got, after he assassinated the president and they didn't storm him and, hire, and, and arrest him? It is yeah. what it is. We're confiscating cell phones is what we're doing here on the GM Shop. Yeah. We'll be back to wrap up the pod next. <laughs>
Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, as we were heading to break, Michael, you said that you have something on the report from Albert Breer mentioning that the Bears expect to have a plan in place for quarterback uh, by the time next week we're at the scouting combine in Indianapolis here. Uh, what, what are you hearing here on this Bears front? I, I think, look, there's there's no, I mean, they're going to have a plan now. I mean, what have they been doing all offseason? Like, seriously, what have they been doing? Cabo. I mean, after every game, they should figure out what they're going to do. I think they already have a plan. They're going. What happens at the combine is never what's happening on the field, right? It's the meetings and the hotel rooms. It's the back doors. It's the kind of conversations that you're having. You know, hey, I'll meet you at this place. I come to. Can you come to my room here? We'll, we'll talk it over. And I think that's where we're going to gain the interest. You know, we're going to find out what what is really on the table, what he could get, who is actually interested, who's willing to do it. You know, one thing I have learned in in my career in the league, everybody thinks there's eight teams involved in a player free agency, and there's usually only two. You know, there's there's always two. Maybe there's two. There's a fabrication of five, but it usually comes down to two when it comes down to cost. Again, let's go back to Pittsburgh. Do I think Pittsburgh would make sense for Pittsburgh? I do. I think it does make sense. However, it doesn't make sense if you have to pay a, a second round pick because now you might not, you're, you're giving away a two for a one year contract. Yeah. And, and, and we talked about a player that doesn't make sense for Pittsburgh, that being Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins right now at DraftKings. Next team to take his first snap is the Minnesota Vikings at minus 200. The expectation being maybe he goes back to Minnesota. The Falcons are at three to one. Patriots are at eight to one. Then the Steelers are the long shot at 10 to one. But it sounds like, according to Albert Breer as well, that the Cousins, the Vikings are not going to want to give him a fully guaranteed contract. He had the fully guaranteed contract when he signed. I believe it was 2017 or 2018, rather, was when Kirk Cousins arrived in, in Minnesota. And if he can't get the fully guaranteed contract as an unrestricted free agent, do you see him just heading back to Minnesota or could there be a, maybe a surprise suitor that goes ahead and says, Hey, maybe we're a quarterback away. And we really like Kirk cousins coming off of the Achilles injury at his age. Well, I, I think this, I mean, look, if, if you're Kirk cousins and you're going to be 37, right. You know, in, in terms of when you get the contract, I, I would say you're going to play at least two years. I think what's scaring people about fully guaranteeing the deal is Russell Wilson. You know, Wilson wasn't playing good when, when Schneider traded him from Seattle to Denver. He got that one over on him. And so, you know, I'm sure that the coming back from the Achilles has got to cause you some kind of concern about, do I give this guy guaranteed three years? I mean, normally you would say, okay, 36-year-old quarterback, you know, but we're seeing guys play longer, even guys that don't have great movement in the pocket like Cousins doesn't. He just, you know, he's quick-minded, not quick-footed. But I, I, I could see that. But, you know, these teams are teams are desperate for quarterbacks. But who's going to be able – got to have to have the cap room to fit them into your team. You know, and then I think a lot of it will come down to – it would make more sense for Atlanta if I'm Raheem Morris to sign Kirk Cousins than it would be to, 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 to trade for Justin Fields. At least I know I get a guy who can run Zach Robinson's offense perfectly. 
Like yeah. who what who did Kyle want in in San Francisco? And the reason they didn't even get down the quarterback lane the year that the great Mitchell Trubisky was the first pick overall in the draft that Ryan Pace traded up to get him with San Francisco. You remember that trade? I mean, you know, who wouldn't have made that deal? That was too good of a deal not to make. So, you know, I think to me, you know, that, that they wanted Cousins. Cousins is exactly what they want in the offense. So if I were Atlanta, I would be like, okay, what's it now? Cousins is going to be prohibitive in terms of cost, but it's money. It's not going to be, if he makes it to the market, it isn't going to be you're up to pay Minnesota anything. Yeah. And if they were to make that move, their Cousins right now to the Falcons is three to one. If they make that move, they instantly become the favorites to win that division. Like, I think they that's have the best quarterback is, in the division. Yeah. Yep. I mean, because look, if Mayfield, I mean, what are you going to pay Mayfield? Like at some point, Mayfield was good for you. But at some point, how much do you pay Mayfield for that? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, because you're not going to want to pay him a big, big, big contract, especially with, I mean, Dave Canales now in Carolina, who knows how he does with the new offense that they're going to implement there in, in Tampa Bay. But yeah, I, I, to me, I think cousins to Atlanta would make a lot of sense there. Now, maybe they see it differently in terms of him being on a different timeline, but if you're Raheem Morris, you want to go out there and win games. Cause we talked about that division is for the taking. Like as, as much as Tampa was able to repeat as champions this past year, the division is open for anyone to go ahead and step into it. And Kirk Cousins would definitely help the Falcons to do that if he was able to get to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Russell Wilson is a guy that we're also going to start hearing about here as we get to the combine in Indianapolis. <laughs> Chad Johnson putting on his insider hat claims to have inside information that Wilson is going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that was one that we talked about in our last podcast on Monday saying that, Hey, does this really fit? Does he really want to go there? Uh, Because we know Pittsburgh is open for this competition with Pickett and Rudolph. Do you see the Steelers being a a fit here for Russell Wilson? Well, Wilson's not going to make any more money, right? So once he gets waived by Denver, then his contract is Denver's property, correct? And so Mm -hmm. the next team that signs him isn't going to pay him $20 million and take Denver off the hook, right? So he's going to be a minimum salary contract player for two or three years, which fits Pittsburgh perfectly. Now, to me, the only rub in saying Wilson's going to Pittsburgh is, is are you going to tell Wilson you're competing for the job or is Wilson expect to be get the job? Okay, because the contract says if you're Pittsburgh, it says you're competing for the job. We're paying you a minimum salary. But what are you telling the player? I think that's the conversation. If Wilson expects to be the starter or another team, right? So there's a the the the, the recruiting element of, of them is simply this, right? Everybody's going to just pay the minimum to Russell Wilson for two more years for as long as for that whatever he has, like $39 million coming to him. All right, so he's going to get that. So the recruiting element is you're going to be my starter. If you're the Raiders, you go to them and say, look, Russell, we we played Denver twice. You get to come back. We're going to have you as our starter for two years. We're going to pay you the minimum and we'll go from there. Would you rather have that or have Pittsburgh say, look, you're going to compete with Rudolph. You're going to compete with Pickett and the best man wins. Knowing Russell's personality, I have a hard time. Not that he's not a competitor. I have a hard time not thinking he's not going to take the starting job. Yeah. No, he wants to play. I think like that's the, the main thing for Russell Wilson. He wants to play. And that's obviously why he did, was not willing to give up those guarantees and had the kind of friction that he had with the Denver Broncos at the mid season point that later came out uh, down the line there when he ultimately got benched for Jared Stidham. I think that 
Pittsburgh, I, I don't see him going there for, hey, there's a chance I could be QB3 or QB2. That doesn't seem like something that he would do there. But the Steelers are the favorites at DraftKings, minus 250 for Russell Wilson's next team. The Raiders, plus 550. Maybe a little bit of value there, like you were mentioning. Falcons, plus 650. Broncos, plus 750. Patriots, plus 850. And the Vikings at 10 to one there. Uh, so those are the the key quarterbacks who are out there on the open market there. But there is the Super Bowl participant, San Francisco 49ers, who still need to fill the void of defensive coordinator after parting ways with Steve Wilkes a couple of weeks ago. Tim Kawakami of The Athletic covers the 49ers out there in the Bay Area said that a decision and an announcement, quote, could be soon. Are, are there some interesting names with this year? Because you mentioned that Kyle wanted a philosophical change from what they had with Steve Wilkes in 2023 uh everybody seems to think it's going to be somebody from within and i think to me that makes the most sense for them because you haven't heard too many names other than staley brendan staley which the analytical yeah. community put that out there they can't wait to promote him i mean he's you know it's like kellen moore you can't you know could you imagine you know uh him not having a job next year in the league they, they would go berserk who's going to go for it on fourth down but i i get the sense that that there's what I've heard is that Daniel Bullock's the defensive backfield coach. They could promote him from within, and I get back to what they were doing before. I don't know. I think they need to be a little bit more multidimensional. Does that mean Kyle's going to come in and say, "Hey, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I want," which is what I think every head coach should do. I think he should kind of inject kind of what I want. I want to be one third man, one third zone, all that. Because remember, whoever they hire, what I've said all along is they have to change to win the game in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl, right? Because of the length of the game and the last two times they've played 21 points in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs and then lose and then not being able to get any pressure in the fourth quarter, 24 plays in the fourth quarter and then the overtime drive. I mean, to me, it's really about it's more philosophical change in terms of players. We've got to find more man to man corners than it is just, oh, we're going to play the different schemes. I think what he found with D'Amico was that was going pretty well. They, they've they altered from Salah. So I get the feeling just I haven't heard any names. Like, I have you heard? Yeah. I have not heard any no. names other than just the Staley rumor from the analytic. <laughs> Brandon Staley. Yeah, I haven't heard it. It's been really quiet. So I'm curious to see. They said that a decision could be coming soon is what Tim Kawakami said. So I'm very curious to see who this is, person is going to be because – it's been just radio silence on that front, which I mean, I guess, hey, maybe it is somebody who comes in from in-house. Uh, before we get out of here, though, I did want to get your quick thoughts on Antonio Pierce, Raiders head coach, talking about the Mahomes rules. Uh, they're they're going to go ahead and oh treat my God. Patrick oh, Mahomes like the Detroit this driving, Bad Boys. This guy's driving me crazy. This guy. Beat up Can Michael he just Jordan. shut up? Can, what, what, why won't somebody in the Raiders tell him to shut up? Like, just shut up. Like, you're not P.T. Barnum. Stop promoting. Like, get back to work. I mean, like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You know, like, what are you going to get? The, what the, you beaten them one time? They had a and they went on and won the Super Bowl from there. I mean, this is like your job is to be a strategist. Your job isn't to be a a, a promoter. I mean, like, this is he's embarrassed. I I, I I'm just telling you, this is bad. I, I, this is bad. And mm. look, I, it has nothing to do. This thing you can't. You can't talk like this in the offseason when your team doesn't even have a freaking quarterback. I mean, you're not going to go beat them. Why would you stir them up? Why would you piss off Mahomes? 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's not a lot of upside. He was on Max Crosby's podcast when he said this, and he said on the pod that the Raiders have given the NFL the quote recipe on how to beat the Kansas City. The recipe of two defensive touchdowns, I guess, apparently that is sustainable as the well, recipe. They lost thirty-one to seventeen. Was that the recipe, or that was that was was that you know that he lost? They lost thirty-one to seventeen in week twelve of the season to the Chiefs. <laughs> Did he forget that game? Because he was the head coach in that game. Like he was, was the head coach. They, you know, that like that. What you can't blame that on Josh McDaniels. Like that, he was the head coach in that game. You know, they hadn't he lost the Mahomes rules yet. Yeah, they hadn't done yeah, the I rules yet. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so. it's unbelievable. I mean, if I'm the Raiders, like if I'm Telesco, I'm saying, hey, Antonio, shut up, man. Just yeah. shut up. Go back to coaching a team. It's, it's all ridiculous, but that does it for this edition of the podcast. Quick programming note, we are going to record Monday's podcast right after this. Both Michael and I will be out of town this upcoming weekend, unable to swing it on Monday. So we're going to record a Monday NFL Combine sort of set the table podcast coming up right after this one. So it'll be recorded on Thursday. If any news breaks, of course, we will make sure to hit that on next Thursday's podcast when we'll be back together here. But for that, we will see you guys later. Subscribe, rate, and review as always, and we'll see you next week. 